There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And welcome in, friends. It's good to have you. This is the first episode of the Fall Series of 2021. And... Two topics that are very fall-friendly here as we talk about foliage, fall foliage, and leaf peeping, and what to expect and how to know when to go. The folks from SmokyMountains.com and their great website and their great predictor map of fall foliage, well, they'll be with us to talk about that. We'll also talk with my friend Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX, about the postseason baseball outlook and how college football is shaping up here in this early time frame as we turn the calendar to October, and Bill Dagger is up. Up in the final segment, had a look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. Do we have nice weather to get into October with in parts of the country? Certainly do, but some areas will have some showers and thunderstorms. We'll talk about that and everything else. Sit back, relax. It's time to discuss everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. You know, we've talked before about how leaf peeping or foliage watching in the fall becomes such a billion dollar industry even before the pandemic. But certainly last year with the pandemic and even this year as we're still dealing with COVID-19, as people look for ways to travel and enjoy things safely, being outdoors and leaf peeping or watching fall foliage still very popular. And one gentleman who kind of saw that popularity early and decided to take matters in his own hands about trying to help people know when to go in different parts of the country, predicting the fall foliage as it went, was a man named David Ngadi, and he talked with us last year, and we're going to bring him back right now. He founded the fall foliage map predictor on SmokyMountains.com, and we're pleased to welcome Dave Angotti back to Everything Under the Sun. David, welcome in again uh, to Everything Under the Sun. I know we talked last year, and I know uh, a lot of people uh, really enjoyed the exposure and then uh, using uh, your website uh, as we uh, look at it, smokymountains.com and a really great map that uh, shows us now here as we kind of round the corner from September into October, we're starting to get into areas, especially the northern tier of the country where things are getting to near or uh, to peak color. Although I've been hearing a lot of stories and reading a lot of press now about some concern about how much leaf peeping and how much vibrancy to the colors, especially uh, where areas where we've been seeing very warm and really wet conditions for this time of year. I know, Dave, here in central Pennsylvania, I mean, my flowers are still going strong here. We've had some nice warm weather finally this week, getting a little taste of fall here uh, in central Pennsylvania. So um, maybe just talk us through some of the things you're hearing as well in terms of this fall forecast in terms of uh, maybe we are going to see 
a little bit of a decrease in vibrancy in some areas with the fall colors? Yeah. So first off, thanks for having me back on, Dean. It's always uh, fun talking through the leaf map with you and um, excited that another autumn season is upon us. And uh, so, yeah, the 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 rain is a, a really interesting one that we have to keep a close eye on each year. The the worst case from rain is a bad drought where the leaves go into like a self-protective mode and they just drop their leaves really early, really fast without any color, you know, so to speak of your know, minimal color. So that's the worst case. Uh, and the good news is for most of the country, that's not occurring. And some of the, uh, in some of the Western states, uh, we, we're seeing a little bit of that, but it's this dichotomy this year. If we have drought in some states and too much rain in other states and, and, and as you're saying, the additional rain, um, can absolutely uh, decrease the vibrancy of colors. It doesn't really mean that like we aren't going to have a, a good fall. It's just the vibrancy, especially with some of the reds, does get impacted if we have severe rain. And then a separate issue that you were talking about there. Hey, the flowers are still uh, still out, and, and here we are heading into October. Why, you know, what's going on here? And that's probably a function of both uh, daylight. You know, how much light is actually happening this year, combined with the temperatures this year, and you take all of that together, and that's why we still have flowers out, and it mm-hmm. can delay the the season uh, of fall foliage just a bit. Dave, we talked a little bit about this last year, but for those who didn't hear, let's talk a little bit about how you put this map together. Um, so. Obviously, you know, just like with weather climate, when we look at year after year versus the forecast for that immediate day or subsequent days, we we can get trends and we can know that, you know, this week we're usually getting to near or past, uh, you know, or, or approaching peak uh, in certain areas. And then this is the week that normally the, 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 the colors are at the peak. Do you guys kind of take a look at that every year and kind of do some changes every year in terms of as you see trends where maybe some areas because of uh, some climate change and, and some warmer temperatures a little bit later into the fall, maybe kind of delaying their peak? Peak. Have you been able to get those tweaks back into the system? How does that all work? So, so Dean, what what happens is it's it's not unlike a, a weather forecast where you know it, it may be in July, for example, in a lot of destinations. On average, you're going to see sunny weekends, but you wouldn't actually go make a the same forecast every July. Right. You know, there's there's inputs that determine that sunny weekend forecast for most of the the weekends. And then you may still have some areas that have rain in in, in July, for example. It's similar to that. So we take all of these inputs, uh, several million data points, actually, which which those data points are historical temperatures, historical precipitation, the forecast temperatures, the forecast precipitation. And then we layer that on top of our historical leaf peak trends and then our peak observation trends. And so we've been doing this long enough now that we can feed all of that into an algorithm and it puts out about 50,000 predictive data pieces for us to then process. The the final output is the map that end users see, but there's obviously underlying data down below that. And so the final data output is each county in the entire 48 states has basically a progression of, of no change all the way up to past peak with everything in between. And so that it is very much uh, weather driven, mm-hmm. which gets into like, why do leaves change colors? And, and you know, and, and what are all the different inputs into that, which that's weather driven, both by macro trends. Um, so like, that's why we're seeing a drought in the, the West, um, as well as by the, the micro trends in, in individual destinations, how much sunlight, you know, are we seeing more cloudy days than a normal year, that type of thing all comes into play. 
And I think a great thing, that folks, if you go to the map, not only is that fall prediction map there with what uh, would I know we've all loved here is, you know, you can slide back and forth. So you can see where, you know, maybe if you're like, oh, did I miss something? And you can go back a little bit, but then you can slide ahead. And if you're trying to plan your leaf peeping trip uh, here over the next couple of weeks, you can kind of hone into a very localized area and see the trends for that area and one week ahead, two weeks ahead, three weeks ahead or, or going farther. So it's really cool. And then the other thing I love about it is you guys, have, I think from what I remember from last year, you've added all that, what you just talked about, the kind of the scientific uh, overview of why leaves change colors, why the different colors and, and stuff. So it's really interesting reading good for kids too, to have parents kind of teach or teachers kind of teach students about this whole process and, and how it all works. Very good information. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Um, on the on the teaching side, uh, quite a few teachers are using it this year. It's even been featured on Google Classroom, um, and uh, it's used by different grades. So elementary school children loved the coloring sheets. So you can print out these sheets and let them color and really kind of uh, in a creative way experience fall there locally. Uh, the teachers are telling us that they're collecting leaves outside that match up to the coloring sheets with some of the elementary school children. And then obviously, as you get into high school um, or even middle school, it's more about the pigments and the photosynthesis and why is this happening? And, you know, it's going to show up on their test, possibly. Uh, and so it's a more uh, academic approach to it. But right. but teachers absolutely do love it. And they're some of our main users of the, of the additional information that's found below the map. We talked, I remember when we were talking last year and we were in uh, year one of dealing with the pandemic. I mean, there was a lot of thought about how, um, you know, leaf peeping was going to be a, a situation where it, it lent itself to keeping smaller groups and cars and, and, and more individualized travel rather than having to do um, what I'm sure a lot of people are still very concerned about with the new Delta variants and everything is um, group travel or plane travel. So um, did we have any details or economic numbers about how the pandemic has been affecting leaf peeping over the last couple of years and any kind of forecasts about how people are going to respond this year as we still have some areas where the pandemic is, is a little more concerning than others? You know, the economic side of it, it's a bit difficult to unravel because you would look at things such as hotel occupancy or visitation numbers. And while leaf peeping, we do know had higher numbers than a normal year last year, just unraveling that one uh, set of travelers out of a destination that's simultaneously seeing a decrease in business travel or other types of travel can be a bit difficult. Um, I can tell you in the Smoky Mountains market, uh, we absolutely had more traffic on the leaf routes last year than a normal year. I heard that from our friends out in, in Colorado on some of those scenic drives and up in Vermont and different places. That's a, a little bit more anecdotal when it's right. one off. Uh, but the uh, the economic data also in markets like the Smoky Mountains, it showed that we did have really good occupancy last year during leaf season as well. And, and some of the other markets saw that as well. But like when you start to try to look at it at an aggregated countrywide level and map it back to leaves and when they actually peaked and and then pull out the business travel that was way down. It's it's so hard to unravel that that whole piece of data like that. Yeah. You know? Well I you know I think we're finding that in a lot of cases. So I, I sometimes, you know, some people don't want to necessarily go with anecdotal data, but I think that sometimes is more important than maybe some of the statistics that people try to call out. And and certainly uh this tradition will continue, I think, for folks because it's just so beautiful. Um and 
I love the quote that, you know, fall is the second spring. The, the leaves are, are kind of like a new flower or new color for people that uh, they've been enjoying so much color over the summer with their flowers. And now they get another chance to see some colors in different places. And so I think that coupled with um, the fact that, uh, you know, people are really more in tune with outdoors, camping and being outside. RV life has been certainly something that's really been taking a big increase over the last couple of years. I mean, this all kind of fits into that model, which is probably one of the reasons why you thought about this a few years ago to really kind of hone this down and get this, uh, the smoky mountains.com map going and, and, and those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. When we, I mean, when we started out, it, it was a, just a little side project and we had no idea it would ever reach this popularity and the pandemic has definitely propelled it further, but it started out as just a blog post on when the leaves were going to peak in the smoky mountains. And from there we had surrounding destinations start asking us questions. When are the leaves going to peak here? And we realized we could use the exact same uh, data approach to the leaves peaking anywhere that we were using in our own market that looked at all of the different variables, input and output. And so uh, that's when we decided to roll it out nationwide. And, you know, it's taken off since then. And last year was definitely the most users we'd ever seen on the map. I think we had about 10 million people use the map last year um, on, on our own website. So to see that kind of reach with it is really cool. There were some cool uses of it, uh, such as brides trying to figure out when they would be able to get that fall foliage in their wedding photos. Um, a movie producer wrote me and wanted to know, hey, when are the uh, when are the leaves going to peak here for this set that, uh, you know, in this filming uh, in the movie? And so we've seen all kinds of really interesting uses uh, for the map as well. But it has definitely grown and taken off as as people have tended more outside through the pandemic here. All right. And just real quick, Dave, uh, let's just get into a few minutes here about why leaves change color. I mean, I know it starts with photosynthesis. I remember that as a kid, but talk a little bit about that process here. And again, this is uh, more information that you can get to on the website. Talk a little bit about that to me, the science of this all. Yeah. So uh, photosynthesis for anybody that's not uh, recalling their elementary uh, science class perfectly, is basically just the idea that there's this chemical chlorophyll that's inside the leaves. And basically that takes sunlight water and uh, and carbon dioxide and converts that into food for the tree. And, and since sunlight is a required element of that, as the sunlight slows, uh, you know, is, is not as long, the leaf basically puts itself on a diet and says, well, you aren't giving me enough sugar anymore. I'm going to bring some into the trunk and store it for winter. And, and you really aren't serving me well at this point. And so at that point, it cuts off the, the leaf so it can save water and uh, kind of put itself into almost like a hibernation state. Not really, but like you can think of it that way. And well, when that happens, chlorophyll doesn't produce the same way. And, and the chlorophyll, which has that green pigment to it. Right decreases. And the pigments that were in there all along the flavanols and the beta carotenes, you know, which you, you see these in, in different vegetables that we actually eat, um, those, those pigments start to start to show up because the green chlorophyll is no longer there. So those pigments were there all along and the anthocyanins, basically uh, the reds, the brilliant reds that you see with like some of the, the red maples uh, uh, that are the dominant colors there, basically that's just the trapped sugar in the leaf that uh, brings that brilliant red out too. And so that's what causes them to change. They aren't so much changing like we think they are as they are uh, the green that's been the dominant color is kind of going away and right. the colors that have been there all along show up. And so that's kind of uh, the what's actually happening scientifically in the leaf 
when it changes colors. Uh, it, it, you know, it's um, it's amazing, and it really mainly boils down to to just less sunlight. That's what really drives this and drives when it occurs. And when you when you look at it, the best leaf change is going to occur when you have these these warmer days where they're getting lots of sunlight. And then cooler nights that don't reach freezing, because then that actually br- brings out those brilliant reds and, and oranges that we see in fall. I think uh, over the last year or so, especially with the pandemic, especially spending more time outside, I think mo- mo- many of us, and myself included, get have gotten more, I guess, in tune with that diurnal, you know, uh, the nights getting um you know, longer now. And, and we, and I feel those changes more now season to season. And, and so there's almost a little bit of a depression when it's not as light early in the day. Cause then I know it's getting, now I don't mind the earlier darkness because I get up at two in the morning. So uh, having it darker a little bit earlier in the evening is a better thing for me to get some sleep. But yeah, this is a little kind of a bright spot when you can feel that, that onset of fall and going in towards winter. David, thank you so much for being with us. Great map. Again, we'll get the link and everything up to folks so they can use this and all that great information and I appreciate it and let's make an appointment to do this all again next year. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate you having me on. Friends, you can look down at the notes in the podcast material here and get those websites that we're talking about. I just want to talk it out once in case you're just listening. Uh, The website is smoky, S-M-O-K-Y, mountains.com. And again, it's S-M-O-K-Y, no E. I think sometimes some of us try to put that E in there. Uh, Smokymountains.com. You can go slash park. And when you get to that page, you can uh, get to a fall foliage prediction map there with a link. Again, we have a direct link in our notes section and our podcast information here uh, on your favorite podcast catcher and player. So we go from fall foliage to another part of fall that makes people really excited. This is an exciting time in the sports world as we get ready to enter the postseason in baseball and college football is heating up. I'll talk with my friend Tom Ackerman, the sports director at KMOX Radio in St. Louis about that and more coming up after this on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun here on AccuWeather.com as we continue our Fall episode here after talking leaf peeping and uh, the fall forecast for foliage. Now you can get that on SmokyMountains.com. Wanted to talk a little bit of sports because we haven't done that for a while here on this program. And you all know that sports is such a big part of my life. And, uh, you know, we're all at that really important time of the year when things are just uh, amazingly exciting in terms of baseball and college football. I think that's a real nexus with a lot of people. This is makes one of their favorite times of the year and a guy who, uh, well, you know, I have a, a really good friendship. I feel like he's a brother and honestly, it's one of those interesting things because we never hardly actually see each other. We're both always on the run, but I got to tell you, and, and I'm welcoming in sports director and part of the TIAM crew, one of the co-anchors of the Edward R. Murrow award-winning best newscast in the morning. Congratulations on that for KMOX from the year 2020. Tom Ackerman joining me. And Tom, you know, I never 
always understood exactly. I mean, I, I kind of knew why we kind of gravitated towards each other, but then for some reason, as I'm waiting and Tom's on the run, I'm on the run. And I I've never read your KMOX bio. And honestly, I just read it and I'm about to, to break down because that's my story, brother. You, I mean, maybe you actually know this, all the things in there, your father's influence, the standing and joining in and singing the national anthem is a big point of mine. And I get a lot of comments about that for Penn State folks about making that national anthem announcement rather than some of the other ways it has done. And uh, oh, my goodness, man, it is good to talk to you, brother. <laughs> oh, no, something other than a quick hit on a on a morning radio show where we only get about 10 seconds to kibitz but how are you and uh, i know this is an exciting time for you as this podcast drops the cardinals have already clinched the spot in the playoffs and let's see how far that goes with a huge winning streak as we're recording this on a thursday afternoon 17 and counting right yeah they're they're on a tear uh, as we're recording this tonight uh, their winning streak could be a legal adult uh, at 18 <laughs> so i mean it, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it really is. Um, I've, I've been around this club my entire life and covered them for 25 years, just about, and I've never seen anything like it. I, I've been able to witness uh, a lot of World Series here, a, a couple of championships I was able to cover. I experienced one as, as a youngster, but I've never seen, nor has anyone seen in the history of Cardinal baseball, going back to the late 1800s, a winning streak of 15, let alone 17. So it's a remarkable achievement, and they're doing it in the middle of a playoff race. And as you said, they've qualified for the postseason as a wild card, and I'm not sure anybody wants to face them. So no. <laughs> we'll see where it all goes. And you're right. I mean, I, you and I have similar backgrounds where I was a public address announcer for my high school football team after I stopped playing, and that was a big part of my life, as was my relationship with my dad who passed away when I was just about to turn 18. And um, so I do think of him often. Right. It's a, uh, it's a special time to be a Cardinals fan. I know he's smiling down on everybody. So here's the other thing. Tom is a graduate of Indiana University, and I, of course, uh, very close ties and a graduate of the Pennsylvania State University. And they happen to be playing each other this weekend in a night game at Beaver Stadium. It's our stripe out. So three or four weeks ago, Tom and I were kind of back channeling, chatting, and I think he really was thinking this might be the year. He's been promising me this in the decade I've been on KMOX that he would come to a Penn State, Indiana football game. We'd enjoy it together here. And I was going to make the return trip sometime and enjoy one in Bloomington with him. But it's just amazing because that all really just went out the window here in the last week or two with this surge by the Cardinals. And I know you've actually got something else going on on Saturday night. So uh, we have to like kind of put our rivalry down on the down low here because it's just it's more about the cardinals right now but i know you're going to be very interested on saturday night when your hoosiers are playing the nittany lions especially after last year's game when you guys got that great victory on that uh controversial uh interesting game let's just say it that way mr ackerman yeah, I'll, I'll call that a great finish. Yes, uh, there you Penix, go. You uh, will. Diving yeah. for the pylon. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, I've never been to Happy Valley. I'd love to go to Beaver Stadium. Uh, it's one of the places I, I really, really want to go to. And man, the Hoosiers uh, don't catch any breaks here. I mean, first of all, Penn State can't be pleased with what happened last year. Secondly, we got to play you in a night game. 
Right. So, and, and we're not exactly playing great. Uh, IU beat Western Kentucky last week. They knew that was going to be a scary game on the road. They got it done. Uh, I saw them play Cincinnati. Quarterback play was very iffy, but Penix came back and had a really nice game last week. So it, it should be interesting, I think, at the start to see how IU plays. I'll tell you one thing. Indiana does have playmakers. Uh, they definitely have a good defense. You know, when they can get it all moving at the same time, they have good defensive backs, good linebackers, a pretty decent front. Uh, so it should be interesting. I mean, they're going to have well, to play their I, best game I, to, I, to I even think, make it close. Right. And I think the other thing that the Hoosiers have now is a knowledge that they can win. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, in the in the days, you know, it was such a struggle for maybe the Hoosiers to have that belief. But I think they have it now. And not only I mean, because the last hey, there were there were games before that game last year where. Penn State actually didn't have business winning against the Hoosiers. The Hoosiers played much better throughout maybe the entire game. So I think this has been a it's been a fun getting to be a little bit of a rivalry. And of course, it's interesting between the two of us. Um, Let's jump back a little bit back and forth here. But I want to get your take. Let's go back to baseball real quick and where we are heading into uh, the playoffs here. Most things decided now. Still some uh, interesting uh things to decide in the in the American League of course uh, American League East Yankees Red Sox uh fighting for wild card and that kind of stuff just some uh, interesting thoughts from you on what we could expect in the baseball postseason just some general thoughts yeah I just think that the wild card game being a one and done makes it very intriguing and actually creates a mad scramble for the division so what you're seeing in the National League right now is the Giants and Dodgers trying like heck to avoid playing a wild card game because each of them have won a hundred games and now they have to play a team that's won 17 in a row or however many it's going to be. So, you know, they're trying to get out of their situation as we're talking right now, the giants are up two games, magic numbers four. Right. So that would put the Dodgers in that situation and over in the American league, you know, you've got a mad scramble for who's going to host that game. The Yankees are the Red Sox and the blue Jays and Mariners are still having something to say about that. Uh, so I do think that it is fun from that standpoint. The division races have been settled mostly in the American League, you know, the Rays, the White Sox, and the Astros. In the National League, the Braves are going to win the East most likely unless the Phillies uh, pull something off here. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. you know, the Brewers and, and – we're, we're, we're done here in Philly, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, I think. yeah. so it's it's a good run here. I did not expect the Cardinals to be – Running away with it, I did think that they could put something together and make it close, but they they basically have put away the Mets, the Padres, the Reds, and they've kind of embarrassed the Brewers here. So it's been a a heck of a run for them. Where where in your mind, just in in a minute, is the overall health of baseball post-COVID? Well, we're not post-COVID. We're, you know, in the latter stages, certainly the difference between 2020 and 2021 uh, is it in a healthy place? Are you happy with the way uh, the crowds are? St. Louis always gets crowds, but it, has that been good? Where, where, where is baseball right now? I think it's good here, but you know we're kind of in a bubble where uh, we're we're a big market. I don't want to say we're a small market, but you know the, the, the we're a twentieth size TV market in the country, so it's a good medium sized market. 
but it's very baseball centric. I mean, it's kind of like the Green Bay Packers are to Green Bay. I mean, it's uh, it's what you do. It's part of right. who you are in St. Louis. So you're going to draw 40,000 plus for a big game like that, where other cities, it's not always like that. So I think that, you know, the pandemic has hit baseball hard because there are a lot of games. I mean, you got to cover 81 home games. So that is a bit of an issue. I think people have learned how to spend their dollar uh, a certain way, or maybe they're afraid of going into into a city and traveling. It's sort of restricted some of their baseball spending. But I do think the game is very healthy. There's a ton of money being spent on the TV rights. I think that for baseball, though, to contend with the NBA and the king of the all sports, the NFL, right. they're going to have to market themselves to younger people and uh, a diverse crowd. So I know that they're working on that, and I think it's really important. There are a lot of great, fun players in the game today, young, fun players. Let them play. Let them have fun. Show them off uh, because baseball is cool, and and I think that it'll do very well. And This is a, a, a constant thing with baseball. They've got to figure out how to get that average age of the viewer and listener, in our case, younger. Let's jump over on the college football side and I'll give you my quick take and then you can respond. Uh, I am enjoying uh, the unpredictability of this season. I think uh, in all college sports, the upheaval of people's lives over the last year and a half is much more evident on the collegiate level because of uh, much more, uh, a lot of differences, a lot of transfers. And, And so you know, I don't know that anybody kind of really knew exactly what they were going to get. And we're still having kinds of find out surprises and weaknesses and strengths that we didn't know about with these teams, the way we reconfigured to me, it's a really exciting college football season. Of course, that's probably coming from a guy who's sitting here with a team that he likes a lot at four and oh, and in a good spot going into some bigger games. So I, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, college football is in a really good place. Uh, I think you said it right away. It it is appointment uh, viewing for a lot of people. It it makes their their lives feel right. Um, All day and all night Saturday, right? You know, it's just a a really fun day. You know, you you can find games uh, pretty much anywhere. You know, your game is going to be on TV. Um, I know the NFL uh, has its own. Uh, fan base and and they do cross over, but college football to me is great because, and here's being from St. Louis, I'll say this, you know, my teams aren't going to move. I'm, you know, Indiana's not going anywhere. Mizzou's not going anywhere. Right. Uh, That that my fan base is built in. Now it's just about staying strong in a conference. You know, you're in a really good place. I mean, Penn state is just a great tradition. Uh, the recruiting is important. I think that the, the new rules to allow kids to be able to endorse products, I think, can enhance recruiting and can perhaps keep some of the local kids local. And, right. you know, that will right. that will help a school like Missouri maybe draw some of these great St. Louis players. St. Louis has tremendous talent that gets taken by schools all over the country. But I think and, that's healthy for a school like Missouri that needs St. Louis and Kansas city on their side to thrive. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know what else? Uh, a lot of great women's volleyball players um, and feel like I'm introducing more and more um, from the St. Louis area. When I uh, announced for our Nittany line women, and of course they play the best sure. teams in the country uh, year in and year out. Great, great, great sports in St. Louis, a great sports director on KMOX, 
who at 46 has done more. <laughs> when you dropped that you were 46 on the broadcast this morning, because I, there was some ad, I think, about sleeping, right, or something, I, I think, or I forget uh, what it was. Oh, no, the eye, eye ad, uh, bleary eyes, right, um, yeah. which is, is normal at our hour of the morning that we work anyway. Um, you know, it's it's funny, Tom. I mean, I, I, I honestly with your experience and everything you've done, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. In some ways I'm like that too. Now I'm in year 22 of the stadium and, and uh, 30 of for Penn state sports and been around for so long, you know, 38th football season here at Penn state. It's just, uh, we both started really young, right? Tom, is that, that's, that's the thing. Yes, that's right. I started <laughs> at Camo X at 22. So, yeah. I mean, I'm one of these days I am going to get there. I'm hoping that this is, kind of what you what you're calling on saturday night i hope a few times you're saying Penix That's pass complete <laughs> to tie fry fogel gain of 25 first down indiana first down iu well my friend it was good talking to you and we've got to both uh, get to some other things so we'll do that and uh, listen we'll catch up soon on the radio and i appreciate your perspective here as we talk about sports and weather and life right here on everything under the sun well, I always enjoy having you on our show, that's for sure. You're a big part of KMOX, so thank you, Dean. Thanks for having me. You can follow my friend Tom on Twitter. He's always got great information, not only about the Cardinals and other St. Louis sports, but the sports world in general and St. Louis news. His Twitter handle is Ackerman, A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N, 1120. That's the KMOX AM frequency. Ackerman 1120 is Twitter feed, and you can go uh, follow uh, KMOX and KMOX News on Twitter, and also you can follow them on Facebook and their website through the Odyssey app. It is a, a great radio station, and so proud to be on that, and so proud to call Tom my friend. Friends, when we come back, another person I'm proud to call a friend is fellow meteorologist Bill Dager. He will be on the way to talk about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. College football, leaf peeping, and everything else. Is it going to be good weather or bad weather to do that too? And what does next week look like? That's detailed up next on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. And welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. As we roll on on this episode here in our fall series, as we get ready for this first full weekend in October, I can't believe we're changing the calendar already, but here we go. And we welcome in AccuWeather meteorologist Bill Dager into our look at the weather for this upcoming weekend and the week beyond. Bill, good to have you here with us as we... Uh, enjoy probably what I feel like is the second of two consecutive weeks that yeah we had some interesting storms up through the middle of the country uh, in the last week or so a big storm here or there but and one storm along the east coast but a lot of quiet weather the last couple of weeks after the tropics were really hot and spicy but now we're watching Sam churn as a major hurricane out in the Atlantic and we have some decent weather along the seaboard and I'll tell you the western part of the country to me looks like one of the nicest places to be as we go into this first weekend in October October. Yeah, you know, m much of the eastern seaboards enjoyed this weather here over the last week. A few waves of moisture have moved through, bringing us a couple of showers, some thunderstorms here and there. But for the large, uh, for the most part, the past week has been been great for getting uh, out and doing all those fall things we like to do. And uh, yeah, you're right. The West will get a chance to, to get in on that action here the next couple of days into the early part of the week before the pattern gets a little 
perhaps wetter in the Pacific Northwest. They certainly could use the rain. So uh, that that's some good news for them. So, yeah, we're seeing what we consider. Uh, again, we talk about this word zonal flow, and that means that when you look at the jet stream as a whole from west to east across the country, it's pretty flat. It doesn't have a lot of undulation in it. There's a little bulge in the western part of the country that brings real pleasant early fall weather all the way up into uh, the Canadian plains there in the north of, uh, say, Montana. Uh, Very warm still in the southwest, uh, but the storminess is all really bottled up along the Gulf Coast, up through the Mississippi River Valley and up into the Great Lakes here, at least as we start the weekend. It tries to spill into parts of the northeast as the weekend wears on, but as we've gone over the last couple of days, Bill, as we dropped this on Friday morning, the trend has been for nicer and warmer up along the eastern seaboard for the weekend. So we've bumped up some temperatures around uh, New York. It's going to get really nice, 75, I think, on Saturday and probably upper 70s, almost 80 on Sunday. Depends how quick those showers are moving in. The place where, you know, you're going to have to probably uh, sacrifice the weekend after having a pretty nice week, like Detroit and and Chicago this week. uh, Chicago, last couple of days of the week, soaring in the low 80s. And at least Saturday will be like that, it looks like, before these showers and thunderstorms come in in those areas on Sunday. Yeah, all that uh, wet, uh, wet weather, all the flooding, uh, downpours, those thunderstorms that have been impacting the plains the past week are slowly going to start drifting east. So they got to, you know, the nice weather on borrowed time here before these showers and storms begin to roll into the Great Lakes. And northeast gets in on some unsettled weather by the time we get to the early part of the week. It's very interesting looking at the computer models in the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday time frame, because there's a chance this storm or area of low pressure may break off from the flow and just kind of hang out somewhere between the Mississippi Valley and the East Coast at some point for the middle of next week. So that area of high pressure, all that dry weather we've grown accustomed to across much of the East and Southeast, that period may be coming to an end here, an extended period of showery weather from the Southeast to the Mid-Atlantic, it looks like. Yeah, I think, you know, as as Sam continues to move and as we go through the weekend, uh, one thing that we will mention is especially the Southeast and even up into the Northeast, there's going to be large swells and some rough surf starting to impact those as this strong storm stays out to sea. Again, we're thinking it stays just to the east or near Bermuda, but once uh, this thing kind of starts to make its turn and we get into Monday and Tuesday and turns away, yeah, it opens up to me a a situation where something goofy could happen along the eastern seaboard early next week. I don't know if it's, like you said, that low just kind of gets stuck, an upper level low, or maybe it's something that spins up on its own and a little extra tropical something or other. I, I just, I don't think the models have been sorting that out real well here over the last couple of days. And we'll have to maybe wait another day or two as we get into the weekend to see how that works out. Yeah, they typically don't handle those cutoff lows very well. Uh, The bottom line is there's going to be some energy near the coast or just offshore in the form of that low pressure system or frontal boundary. And with how warm the water is this time of year, we're in the heart of hurricane season still. Doesn't take much for something to uh, spin up. Uh, We're expecting that to possibly to happen at some point later in the week, mid to latter portion of the week. Northern Caribbean up through the Bahamas is that zone we're watching for. Of course, we still have tropical systems out in the open Atlantic, but uh, they're probably not going to impact too many people directly. Yeah, that would be October 5th through the 10th. So that would be about Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Next week, that would be Friday into the upcoming weekend that we'd have to keep an eye on those areas around Cuba, uh, uh, up to uh, the western parts of Hispaniola, and then up into the Bahamas. So 
keep you uh, updated on that. Check out AccuWeather.com and your AccuWeather app for that. Interesting stuff here. With um, uh, We've had some of the chilliest air of the season here in the last couple of days in the Northeast. But even, you know, some places not as chilly as you might expect. Uh, what I read, you post, posted a stat. I think this is the fourth out of the last five years where we didn't get below 50 mm-hmm. degrees in the month of September in Boston. And, um, you know, that's just, uh, it's not the norm. I mean, usually by mid to late September, we're having a few nights in the 40s, but it's it's stayed, okay, of course, they may do that here in the first morning of October, be just below 50 degrees, but uh, it hasn't been as chilly as we thought. A little bit of chill here, but looks like it eases out here as we get into the upcoming week as well. Yeah, compared to what we dealt with in the weeks prior, it, it feels cool, but it's climatologically still, you know, Normal, pretty right? late for these cool temperatures <laughs> right, to yeah. arrive. Providence never got into the 40s right. this month. First time ever on, on record there, Bradford, PA, which typically will have a few Oof. mornings in the 30s this yeah. time of year, just got there uh, to close out the month, uh, the, the latest occurrence uh, since 2005. So it feels cooler compared to what we dealt with weeks ago, but it should be, a, or it should have been by now a little bit cooler than this. Yeah. I think that plays into too what we're seeing. And we talked about this in the, uh, in the leaf foliage forecast here is that, you know, it just seems still so green. My dahlias keep growing and uh, I know they're living on borrowed time, my morning glories and stuff like that. So it's a fun time in the garden, fun time to be out and about and always a fun time to talk to about the weather with you, Mr. Dagger. Thanks for stopping by here on everything under the sun. It's good to be here. Thank you, Dean. And friends, that will do it for this week's episode, uh, second episode of the fall series of Everything Under the Sun coming up next week. And what are we going to do? We're going to jump right into winter. Yeah, the uh, winter forecast from AccuWeather just out in the last hours, right, as we're putting this podcast together. We'll get with Paul Pasolak, other members of our long-range team and members of our forecasting team and talk about the upcoming winter a little bit and other subjects where fall and the weather meet your life. That's what we'll do here on Everything Under the Sun. Friends, if you got to ask a question or something you'd like us to know, please send it to us. Podcast at AccuWeather.com is our email address. You can drop us a note there, and certainly you can follow along all of your AccuWeather information on your AccuWeather app, AccuWeather.com, our website, our AccuWeather network, and our great network partners around the world. And we have great AccuWeather team members around the world here in our headquarters in State College, in Wichita, New York, and across the globe. Members of our team are always working hard to weatherproof your life. We thank them for all they do, and thank you for listening. Again, next week, Episode 2 of the Fall Series, we'll take a look at the winter forecast. That should be fun. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.